On this first Sunday of Lent, we have the reading of Jesus' temptations in the desert, um, which, if you've read the gospel, comes right after his baptism. So the baptism, literally the line before the first line of the reading today is, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you remember at the baptism, Jesus goes down to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And in Matthew, they have this argument. I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus says this mysterious phrase, it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And he goes down into the water and comes back up. The clouds are opened. The dove descends. And the voice of the Father from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Matthew says, at that time, Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And each of the temptations, in a a certain way, the first two especially, most obviously, are attempts at undermining that line. This is my beloved son. There are temptations for him to sin, to do things that aren't God's will, but first and foremost, they're attacks on his identity. The first two temptations, the devil says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, if then do this. Prove it. Turn this stone into bread. You're hungry. God loves you, supposedly. Let's see if he actually does. Do this great thing to prove it. In a certain way, every temptation is an attack on our identity. Jesus is experiencing this in his humanity. He is the divine son, and that way he's completely rooted in his relationship to the Father. The devil try as he might, cannot uproot Jesus, cannot take him out of the love of the Father. But nevertheless, Jesus experiences in in his humanity what we do on a daily basis because of our, our sinfulness, because of the inheritance we have from Adam and Eve. This disobedience that has led us into this isolation, this loneliness, this doubt about who we are and whose we are. And what is our identity, ultimately? There's this prayer in the uh, Eucharistic prayer, one of the prefaces during ordinary time, that's so beautiful. I just want to read this quote to you. This is from the Mass. For you so love the world that in your mercy you sent us the Redeemer to live like us in all things but sin, so that you might love in us what you loved in your Son, by whose obedience we have been restored to those gifts of yours that by sinning we had lost in disobedience. You so love the world that you sent your Son as our Redeemer so that what you loved in Him you might love in us. That's our identity. That we are Jesus. When the Father looks at you, He sees His Son. He sees His Beloved in whom He's well pleased. And maybe we know this, but we'll get like a little, we'll we'll mistake it just a little bit. We'll, We'll have it distorted a little bit that, yeah, he's pleased with me when I'm acting like his son. When I'm doing what sons and daughters do, then obviously he's pleasing to me. But sometimes I do things that aren't pleasing to God, in which case he's probably sort of just either disappointed or disgusted or kind of is just going to give up on me. Like, I thought you were my beloved son, but I guess not. I thought you were my daughter, but maybe not today. Depends on what we do. But that's to mix up the most fundamental thing about what is revealed to Jesus by his father at the baptism. It's not what you do that I'm pleased with. 
It's in you I am well pleased. You please me, not what you do. And being pleasing to the Father, because I am his beloved Son, of course I want to do son things. Of course you want to do daughter things when you know you're so loved, when you know you belong. You don't want to upset that relationship. You don't want to do anything that could possibly divide you from that love. But God's love is not the kind of thing that can change. That's the mistake we make. And that's what Adam and Eve, that was the mistake they made. They didn't trust in the Father's love for them, and so they turned away. And then again, they didn't trust that because of their sin, that they could still go back to God to be restored, to be healed. They went off by themselves to to work out their identity with their own compromised tools and capacities and resources. Um, A friend of mine, I might mention this in a homily before, a friend of mine said to me a few weeks ago, I have three people that never leave me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They never leave me, no matter what. They're always there. And because they're infinite, they can attend to me completely, just like they're attending to you, each of you, You have three people that never leave you, too. But it's not like he's paying attention to me, so he's ignoring you. That's not the way God, his love is like. It's infinite. It's unchanging. But that's a mystery we have to live into. We have to learn because so many of the loves that condition our identity, so many of the authorities that we kind of let speak into our identity, they change. Their love is conditional. They do start to ignore us if we stop proving ourselves or stop performing the way we we think we should or they think we should. So this is a mystery we have to live into. I have these three people that never leave me, but even more than that, I'm one of the three. That's what what happens to us in the Mass. We go to Holy Communion. We become what we receive. We're one with the Son. It's not even that just we're like this third wheel that comes into the Trinity. I guess it would be a fourth wheel. But we're totally integrated into the life of God. Such that he he doesn't want to do anything without us. He wants you included in everything. I remember I read this on a a bathroom mirror once at a friend's house who I was visiting. He had it as like this little inspirational quote. It's from the movie Chariots of Fire, which I've never seen. I've heard it's good. But there's a runner in that movie who says, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Meaning like, God made me to be a runner, and so he's pleased when I run. You know, he gets to share, uh, I get to share in his joy at making me this way. And I I had that feeling the other day, a grace, kind of a God moment, celebrating the Mass at the the Epiclesis, at the consecration. The words of Jesus spoken through me, you know, how unworthy I am as, as a human instrument, and yet God made me to be a priest, and how, much, how pleasing is it to him when I confect the Eucharist, when I share his son's body and blood with his, with his body, the church? I could feel for just a moment his pleasure, um, that I'm his son. He's chosen to me to be his priest. Do we have those moments in our lives when we realize, like, it's not something I have to prove. It's a gift. And how much better it is as a gift. And how silly it is to try to earn gifts. I got a call last night at uh, 1.51, and I woke up. My phone is on vibrate, but it must have been God's will. I woke up to this 
at my bedside table. It was a number, of course, I didn't recognize, and I, hello? And it was the hospital, it was the chaplain at the hospital. Uh, was calling because someone had been extubated and the family was asking for last rites. And it was one of those decision moments. Um, I did plead for mercy. I said, can it wait till the morning? Uh, and he said, well, I mean, he was just extubated, so we, we don't know if he'll, he'll last till morning. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll be there in 15 minutes. I got dressed. I went over there. I got to the room, and there was a man in his mid to late 20s at the, at the most. Um, and the family was there with their blankets and stuff. It was the middle of the night. Um, and I gave him the last rites. I absolved him of his sins. He wasn't able to, to speak. Um, then I asked him to renew his baptismal promises in his heart, and his family did that on his behalf. And then I gave him the anointing of the sick, um, the last sacrament. And after it was over, I gave the final blessing. I, I just, everybody was pretty tired. And I just asked, you know, um, what happened? And he said that he had cirrhosis of the liver. Which if you don't know, that's just the liver is completely depleted and, and, and unable to process alcohol anymore because of overconsumption. And that he kept drinking anyway. And um, his brain started to bleed and he um, wasn't able to, he was basically unconscious and, and slipping away. Uh, it was just sad and I, I assured, um, assured the man if he was able to hear me that I was going to pray for him and I assured the family that I was praying for them as well and I, I got home and I got back in bed and I went back to sleep. And I woke up this morning and prayed and I just thought, um, I don't know, I was kind of unsettled in my heart about that whole experience. And I kind of just realized, like, I felt a little self-reliant in that moment, you know, felt nervous, insecure. Um, and it was from the phone call. And I realized that, like, what I'd heard when this chaplain was on the, on the other line was, if you don't go, you're a bad priest. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll go. <laughs> And I got my clothes on, and I went over, and I, I went in, and there's this super depressing situation. Um, and I, I do the sacraments, I do what I know how to do, and I, I go home, and I get back in bed. Um, but just in prayer, I went back to that room again. Me, a priest, this man, a son of God, dying in a bed. And I just realized, like, what havoc is wrought by us not living in our identity? by us being uncertain about who we really are. You know, is it the case that it, this is just two men who can't receive the gift? One man who's so distraught, in such despair that he just drinks himself to death, and another man just so afraid of being a bad priest, a bad son, that he's, okay, fine, I'll give you this act. But also, what beauty and what love is missed? when we live like that. How much God wanted this, his beloved son, in whom he's well pleased, to come home to him. And how much he loves me, his son and his priest, whom he's included in the plan to bring him home, in spite of it all. That's the love. That's the gift. The word gift appears, I don't know, 20 times in the second reading. St. Paul talking about 
um, that we're not justified by works of the law. We're not, um, you know, like Adam and Eve, stuck in our sin, this transgression that, that led to all of our alienation. Now the gift of justification has been given to us in Christ, a gift to be received. It says, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? That's what we do at Mass. We're here to receive the gift, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, the covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ who suffered and died, who became sin, who did not know sin, so who, we who were in sin could become the righteousness of God. That's our identity. And it's a gift, and it's under attack all the time in such subtle ways. But we know that Jesus stands with us in those temptations, that he himself has felt it, and he wants us rooted in him, in him the Son, to just ignore it, <laughs> to, to not give in to that fear that my identity is something that can be lost. But God's love is not like that. And I'm here to receive it, to receive the gift, to live more and more into that mystery of who God is and who I am in him.